Welcome to The Messy Middle. I'm your host, Sarah Schatz. I am an artist, a writer, a mother, an academic, and a creative coach. This is an imperfect podcast about the creative process. back with episode two of The Messy Middle. If you missed the update, if you didn't catch the last episode, this used to be Kindle Curiosity. I am Sarah Schatz, and this is now called The Messy Middle uh, because I have a two-year-old and things are messy. And if I'm going to podcast at all, it can't be as perfectionist as it used to be. So I have the air conditioner on today. I endeavor not to do that when I'm podcasting. I have kind of hidden the mic behind this egg carton sound catcher thing, so hopefully it's not too bad. Um, But basically, I came out here earlier to put on the air conditioner so I wouldn't burn to death because it is Arkansas in July, and it's like 90 degrees outside, but the air conditioner decided to randomly cut off when it was still steaming hot. So when I came out here to podcast, I had to turn it back on. So let me lower the mic just a titch. Hopefully it's not too bad. Hopefully I don't record it and then can't use it. Um, But the sound won't always be like this. If I can get the air conditioner to cool off my space before I record, I will turn it off. But I'm not going to be able to function if it is too hot, um, like heat and cold really affect my sensory issues with my autism. So if I'm going to be able to speak, I cannot be um, dripping with sweat. So that's where we are today. Um, Maybe more than you needed to know, but yeah, (laughs) this is super casual. Um, So this is just like a catch up. The last episode was an introduction for people who didn't know me. This one is more for maybe if you've been subscribed to the podcast in the past and you haven't had an update from me since then. So I'm going to kind of like bridge the gap. If you've been following me really closely on Instagram, there probably won't be anything that new. I'm just kind of recapping the time since I stopped podcasting to now. So, (laughs) I'm also, um, yeah, okay. So, let me try to focus here. Um, In the last episode, I I basically did a cheeky little edit because I couldn't get it in one take. Like, I was really nervous for some reason, so I'm trying to change the vibe a little bit, more like what I do on my Patreon. Um, But I had, I felt like a lot of pressure to present myself and... Yeah, it's hard. I hate introducing myself. I even hate doing it in real life. So like having a podcast episode of that felt like a lot of pressure. So rather than forcing myself to keep restarting the podcast, I eventually decided I would just do a little light editing, take my best sentences and put them together. So that's what I did. So it's a little bit choppy, but it is what it is. It's the messy middle. So this episode, I am really, really going to do one take. If I mess up, I'm just going to leave it in there and just have a little talk with you. Like I was sending you a voicemail or like we're sitting down for a cup of tea at a little coffee tea shop. Um, I really miss, um, I miss living in the UK. I only lived there for a year, but it was, 
it was so great. It was like my favorite place to be because, well, for a lot of reasons, it just felt really comfortable to me. It felt a lot less extroverted than America. And I, one of the things I really loved about it is how you could just stop for a cup of tea anywhere. Like literally everywhere has a cup of tea. There are also these nice little cafes. But even like if you get pizza, the the waitress or the waiter will ask you afterwards, would you like a pot of tea? And so you like eat your meal and then you have tea afterwards. It's amazing. Um, so I forgot why I said that, but let's just plunge. <laughs> let's plunge forward. Oh, yes. The vibe. Yes. The vibe is like we're having a cup of tea or you can have coffee if you want. But I'm a tea person. So this is basically a catch up like I haven't seen you in a couple of years, two or three years and uh, what I've been up to. So just so that this isn't totally one sided, I would love to hear what you've been up to. So when you finish listening to this podcast, like pop over to Instagram, send me a project, send me a message. Um, I would like actually genuinely like to hear from you guys um, and what you've been up to, what you're doing, what you're working on. So I'll probably repeat that at the end. Um, but let's go. So basically, I realized after I recorded that torturous episode where I tried to introduce myself and I was having like tons of imposter syndrome and um, I realized that I didn't really talk about uh, the baby. I didn't talk about being a mom. I just kind of like did my resume a little bit, which is okay. Excuse me. Um, I do want people to know what my background is, but I thought a little bit of a more personal update might be nice. So that's what this episode is. And then moving forward, you'll be caught up to real life. So I can talk about what I'm working on now. It seemed like there are a lot of these little loose ends about things that have changed since we were doing this before. Yeah. Um, yeah, so obviously the big news is I became a mom. I had a really hard pregnancy. I struggled a lot with depression and anxiety. I didn't know it at the time. Um, like I really thought it would, I, I, everything was just terrible. Uh, I didn't realize that I was having some mental health issues. I was also having a lot of physical health issues, having some extreme back pain, which my midwife told me was normal and wasn't. Um, so that was a really hard time. During that, I tried to keep editing podcasts for a while. Um, but at a certain point, I realized my mental health was tanking and I had to just kind of stop everything. So I think I just kind of disappeared, um, at least for a while. Then I felt much better after I gave birth. I think my, um, like the hormones were really negatively affecting my mental health. So for a little while after birth, I felt amazing. I felt like myself again. I felt happy and inspired. And um, I was really lucky that Nathan was able to take paternity leave. So I can't remember how long it was, but we had a pretty decent amount for America. <laughs> for America, we had a pretty decent amount of time together in the beginning. Um, like his workplace just extended the amount you could take for paternity leave. I don't remember because I have dyscalculia, which is dyslexia for numbers, how much time that was. But I know it's a lot more time than most, um, most parents have. And we were both home together. And that was amazing. 
Um, so during that time, I really knew I wanted to just focus on, you know, family and healing. I read a lot about uh, the fourth trimester and the time that you need to heal and rest after birth. So I really took that time and I didn't rush to finish. Um, luckily, my teaching job, like, well, luckily, rather, the birth date, uh, David came on his uh, due date, which is so unheard of. Um, they kept saying they might induce me, that that he might be late. And I went for a walk in the, um, like, lazy river, not a literal river outside, but there's a really cool... Uh, community center here that has like a basically a pool in the shape of a river and the water moves through it so it's kind of like what you could ride an inner tube down but you walk against it for resistance um, and I was having a lot of back pain as I said with walking in full gravity so we went there we were going to start doing that regularly and the first time I ever walked in the lazy river my water, my water didn't break in the lazy river. This isn't a birth story, by the way, but um, later that day, I went into labor. So um, that is what happened. And because he came on his due date, the 31st of May, uh, that lined up perfectly for my maternity leave with being a college part-time instructor. So I didn't have to take off any extra time. I just took off the normal time I would in the summer and I really didn't have anything to worry about. I put everything to the side. And I did have this idea that after that, I would do my podcast again. I had at least one episode that I had recorded and not edited. Um, and I had several people scheduled that I was excited to chat with. And so it was a little bit... Well, I'm getting ahead of myself. So anyway, had maternity leave, really slow, really happy, really good. Um, about the time that Nathan went back to work, I like maybe catalyzed by that. Um, everything got a lot harder. Uh, obviously, I was trying to work too. My job is very flexible. Um, I teach online classes. So I'm able to grade and answer emails as long as within it, it doesn't have set hours. So as long as I get it done, um, it's very flexible, um, which I'm really lucky. A lot of people don't have that privilege, but going from like part of a team of two taking care of a baby to me by myself and working um, was really hard. And then when Nathan came home too, he was tired from work and he wasn't kind of clued into everything. He, he needed to be updated. And I remember the first week I'd been home by myself and I also am really lucky that my mom was able to come over and help. And, um, some days in the very beginning, she kind of stayed for the whole day. But as we went on, we tried to have her just come for, the morning or part of the day and like she doesn't come every day anymore um she wasn't even before COVID but basically I was really lucky to have that extra support and to be able to take a nap because David was not asleep through the night kind of I mean who is asleep through the night kind of baby let's be real um 
but even so there was like a big difference between um Nathan and I were a team of two parents taking care of a baby and then it was Sarah with help from my mom um like it it just is different um not wanting to ask too much of her and it you know a change in rhythm a change in routine and then when Nathan came home like I said he was kind of out of the loop and so like the first week I think after he'd been working he came home and he couldn't settle David um I don't remember the exact circumstances but basically I laid down and I just put my hand on his stomach and he settled right down and David Nathan was like what was that did you learn the hand of hushing while I was gone (laughs) like I had this secret mom power suddenly um that you know we were on equal footing before and suddenly like I kind of had an advantage which also made it harder for him to take a turn because it's hard to relax when your baby's crying in the other room and you know that you could probably settle him but you want to give your husband a chance um, to do that himself so I think just the stress of all of that and the change and I kind of knew, you know, being autistic, I talked about that in the last episode, I was diagnosed as an adult autistic, um, that change of routine is really hard for me, and um, yeah, that's a pretty big change, it's the biggest change you could have, and yeah, I'm not, I'm not really sure how to put a bow on that, um, how to tie it up, but that was it, so I had a pretty you know, fairly happy maternity leave, fairly positive experience with that. I was still having, well, right at first, I didn't have back pain at all. Or maybe I was on so many drugs. I didn't take the the big drugs. I only took ibuprofen, but they had me on a pretty high dose. So maybe the ibuprofen was helping with my back pain. Or my body was like, whoa, there's nothing in here. You're, It's really light. <laughs> Um, But the back pain slowly started creeping in maybe about the same time I started working and Nathan started working. So, you know, that was kind of a lot to have the physical pain where like even just standing to scramble an egg. And also I couldn't like stand to bounce the baby and um, not be in pain, that kind of thing. Um, But at the same time, I thought it was just something that I had to wait through, that it was my body healing and I had to be patient and um no (laughs) I can't remember what was wrong when they did the x-rays but basically my spine was not in a good condition at all so at some point I think no David was born in the end of May and I think it was November when I started going to the chiropractor and that helped tremendously I've never been a chiropractor person I thought it hurt Um, But my chiropractor doesn't do like the twisting and popping of the body, which even that might, I don't know, whatever works for you. Um, But he does a really gentle technique where he just uses this little tool that like pops you. It doesn't hurt at all. It kind of sounds like it might, but it just kind of very gently nudges one of the spinal, what are they called? Um, Bones, (laughs) one of the bones in your spine one way or another. And um, that helped, so that helped a lot. But basically between May and November, I was in extreme, extreme 
uh, back pain, increasing back pain. And I thought it was normal. I was struggling to like, I bought, well, I was gifted and bought some different baby carriers and I wasn't able to wear those as much as I wanted. I wasn't able to go out for as many walks as I wanted, which were probably not great for my mental health. Um, so I was having a really hard time and around that time is when I thought I was going to come back to the podcast and I couldn't. There was no way. I couldn't even edit. So I, I did. I, I pushed through and I edited the very last episode, um, which I loved, with Sarah Ruiz, who is a quilter and NASA engineer. I think that's still up on this feed, actually, if you're curious. I'm not quite sure. I've changed hosts. Um, if it's not on the podcast feed, it's definitely archived on YouTube. That's kind of the the concession that I made myself was that I was going to cancel the podcast hosting, but I was going to archive all the episodes because I worked really hard on them and I really loved the interviews that I did. So those are over on YouTube under Kindle Curiosity. And um, yeah, so I had people that I was trying to schedule and I really thought, I think... I, like I had in my mind, I was going to join this co-working space. There was a new co-working space opening up and I was going to go there like once a week, record a podcast, like do some grading. I was going to have this um, really cool work-life balance. Mom was going to watch David for that time. And I was going to be in a quiet space where I could focus and do my work because I found out right away that was not possible in our house. Um, basically, David was the kind of baby that it couldn't be quiet or he wouldn't sleep. So we always had music on, white noise, videos. Um, I got really creative with the kind of things that I played for him to sleep. Like I watched a lot of SciShow uh, Journey to the Microcosmos, which was really cool. It's like these really artistic videos of... Uh, microorganisms and then a really relaxing soundtrack and voiceover teaching you about them so that kind of like engaged my brain um, but also had a nice soothing sound for him to sleep to because there's only so much um, of the little Fisher Price swing music that you can take in succession <laughs> so um, basically unless he did a lot of sleeping on me and uh, eventually we got the swing because I think I read a lot of stuff when I was pregnant about swings were anti-Montessori and yeah, <laughs> at some point when you have to be sitting there physically rocking him and then you're home by yourself and you need to be able to get up and make some food, you know, you've got to figure out what works for you. And so we were kindly gifted a swing from a, a friend and it worked wonders because it turns out David is a sensory seeking individual. So whereas my autism makes me avoid too much sensory input, I'm very easily overloaded. He is calmer and happier and able to relax and focus when he has more stimulation, at least, you know, in general. So a lot of the don't overstimulate the baby advice that I was reading that may work for most kids um, it didn't seem to work for David at all. So I had to kind of throw away a lot of that and figure out what worked for him. So 
Around that time, like one of these times, he was probably like napping in the swing. I managed to finish the last podcast edit. And I had to say, look, I'm putting it on hiatus. I don't know when I'll be back. And I was hoping that when this co-working space opened up, that was going to be the future for me. And David could have some time with his grandmother and it would just be great. However, the co-working space, um, I think it might have been open for like a week. It, It didn't make, it didn't, it had to close for maybe financial reasons or something. Um, so that didn't really work out. And then I was kind of left with like, well, what do I do? What do I do? Um, and let's see. So that would have been like autumn 2019. Yeah. Okay. So I'm looking at the time, like in my head, I'm visualizing the timeline and we're, we're like inching toward COVID, but I don't know that. Right. So the co-working space didn't work out. I tried to work from home. I tried to go to the back room and work, to go in the office, to go in the bedroom. The thing is that with my sensory issues and my autism, I really, really need quiet to be able to work. So if I'm hearing like this music or TV sounds or whatever that are keeping David calm and so he can nap, I'm not able to focus very well. Or if he's fussing and like I'm trying to let someone else take care of him, whether that's my mom or whether it's Nathan, like I really want to go to him. I don't want to let somebody else settle him. And even if I am like, okay, now's my time, like (laughs) now's my time to work. I really need to grade. Like it's really hard to focus when there's a crying baby, even if you know someone that loves them is there and trying to take care of them and doing everything they can. Um, David was a pretty, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. We've only had one kid, so I can't range like how fussy he was, but I do know that it was very common when I tried to take uh, time to grade and work um, that he would fuss. And probably because he was used to being around me all the time. Um, Like we really worked it up where he loved spending time with my mom, but it, it was definitely a very, hard transition. So we had a lot of time where we were just both with him. Um, so when I realized that even if he wasn't fussy and didn't need me with like the music going and even when he wasn't fussy, he was a pretty, he's pretty noisy. I mean, kids are just noisy, I guess. So, and I tried the whole like, um, oh, what are they called? noise canceling headphones they do not work for me i i guess i have super hearing because it doesn't get quiet enough um or i'm just yeah <laughs> i'm autistic so it it might help a little bit but it didn't help enough for me at least at that time so i was pretty much at a loss and i think i'm not 100% sure the dates on this but i think maybe in january I started going to the library once a week, which was magic. Um, I guess that that does line up. Maybe I started 
I don't know if I started in December, January, but basically I was already across town at the chiropractor and the library was right there. Um, and I think I had to go to the chiropractor twice a week. So I might've been going to the library twice a week um, for a little while in early 2020. You see where I'm going with this? Uh, um, but obviously the, the library was not a place that I could podcast. I couldn't be noisy. <laughs> I went there to be quiet, so I couldn't be noisy for others. Um, but what I did start to do there was to write my book. So basically in all of that kind of gray area where I wasn't able to podcast and I wasn't able to do the things that I thought I wanted to do, I thought I wanted to be a vlogger, like a mom, mommy vlogger, and I thought I wanted to continue to podcast. And for one, those things were really difficult for the reasons I've already talked about. But also I found myself wanting to do different things. I wanted to do art. I wanted to do like visual art. And I was having a lot of ideas and thoughts and my, my experience was changing. My life was changing and I wanted to process that. So I did a lot of journaling, writing in my journal. At some point we invested in an iPad, which was amazing. Um, super privileged to have that. Um, but I didn't really want to be drawing on paper and getting eraser dust all over the baby. So that kind of eased me back into making art, making things. I did a lot. Uh, I did that for a few months, I think, um, of just illustrations on the iPad. I put a few things up in Etsy that I'm actually still selling a little bit here and there. I designed some things like for David, little um, Star Wars illustrations and stuff like that. So that was fun um, for a while. And I still like to do it here and there, but like that was a very gentle re-entry. And then I started to have ideas for other things. Um, so around in that kind of amorphous time, I came across an artist called Linka Clayton. Maybe I should be writing down what needs to go in the show notes. Let me do that. Um, and her artist residency in motherhood. And basically, if you're not familiar with an artist residency, that is when usually a fine artist, but also could be like a writer or a performing artist, a theater artist, um, they get hired by a big organization like a theater or a museum or school to come and live, you know, in that town maybe usually in facilities provided for them, and to do art projects uh, with a community. And it's really a great space to write a play or make a body of work or do a project. And so Linka Clayton, she is an artist from the UK, but she lives in the US. And she found that when she became a mom, a lot of the residencies weren't family friendly, like they didn't want her to bring her child. And so she created this artist residency in motherhood, which was self-directed and anybody can do it. You can go to her website. There's some really cool resources. And I decided I really wanted to do that. I loved the idea of looking at my creativity in that way. Um, we spoke in the last podcast about how I had a, a big background in visual arts and I really liked the idea of trying to explore my motherhood experience through my art 
and Linka, her perspective is really to try to like work with the constraints rather than against them and to use like the challenges and the struggles and the materials of motherhood to make art and this was like a big epiphany for me I felt at one time drawn to my roots but I also felt excited about moving forward about exploring this new part of myself and um I also was having the epiphany at this time kind of separately and and they lined up together perfectly that one of the reasons I create is to process things that is one of the main reasons that I write and one of the reasons when I do self-directed work I'm either learning something I'm absorbing new information or I'm processing an experience that I'm having and so the the making kind of comes secondary to or the making is in service of that people make and do art for all different reasons um but I wonder if Okay, sorry. <laughs> I think I thought I heard my phone like click off or something. Um, but it looks like it's still recording. So let's carry on. So I got really excited about that. Also, like going back to kind of my the education that I had in the visual arts, the word residency itself made me think of approaching like making different things. So I've been very much in the online creative world ever since I moved here to Arkansas. I've been vlogging, blogging, podcasting, Instagramming, making printables, like everything has been super digital. And the idea of making art that may or may not need to live inside the internet was very freeing. And so that became my goal to make a body of art about motherhood and to have a pop-up art show in the next year or so um, that displayed these pieces. Just really casual, really small um, here in my hometown. And I could share the work online, but I wasn't making it to share online. I was making art. And like, what would that look like if the final product wasn't necessarily an Instagram post. Like what, what art would I make if I wasn't stuck inside the internet? Which was a really amazing epiphany um, that I'm really glad that I had. So basically the timeline for all of that went kaflooey because of COVID. Um, but that's what I'm slowly, slowly, slowly uh, still working toward. And that's what I talked about in the last episode that that body of work is called my brain on motherhood as like a callback to that 90s or 80s advert uh, my brain on drugs I need to link that I need to find that video and let me write that down I need to find that and link it up in case you're young and have never seen it but there's like this fried egg this is your brain on drugs um, and I felt like my brain on motherhood was something totally different than it was before. And I kept using metaphors to describe my experience to people. I'd be like, oh, my brain is like mashed potatoes or my brain feels like one of those corn popper toys with ideas just like flying everywhere. Or my brain is this, my brain is that. And so I'm, I'm working on a series of pieces about my experience as my internal landscape as a new mom. So 
that's how that focus came to be. And I think I really wanted to do it like within a year or something, which maybe was unrealistic anyway. But once COVID hit, it was definitely not happening within that time frame. Um, I hope the sound quality on this is good because this is a kind of long episode if I have to re-record it or at least possible for the Messy Middle podcast. So that was happening. I was coming up. I was writing all of these metaphors down in a notes app on my phone. And I had promised myself for years that I was going to reread The Artist's Way when I became a mom. I read it for the first time in early college and I didn't really resonate with a lot of the blocks like I kept saying you are a blocked artist and I'm like am I I don't know I feel like I can do whatever um I still found it really powerful and interesting and a big catalyst for my work and my especially my journaling but I didn't really resonate with the struggle to make art or to make time for art because other than my Uh, gymnastics coaching job that's pretty much all I did Um, I I was making art I was noveling I was doing all these things and so uh, okay so that was the first time I read it then I reread it when I was a newlywed when I was a new wife and I was struggling with blocks I was suddenly blocked and there was a lot of baggage there to unpack about why, you know, there that was a pretty big transitional period as well. Probably the biggest one I had before I became a mom that not only was I now married and living in a new place that I didn't know, but I was not in school for the first time, you know, ever. Um, And so having all of my time for myself, I was trying to start a wedding photography business at the time, really kind of grinding myself in the ground with that. And uh, I was very burned out, very much overworking myself and kind of, yeah, unpacking all of this baggage of ideas of being a wife and, you know, trying to make money, trying to make a job for myself. I didn't have... Um, I think I was just teaching like one section of online courses where now I'm part-time and I just felt like I had to contribute. I had to make like a space for myself here and I was like really running down like my mental health and my physical health, um, not taking care of myself and sitting in front of the computer for, I don't know, 12 hours at a time. (laughs) It it was pretty bad. So the artist way, rereading it at that time, I did have a lot of the blocks against making art that wasn't in service of other people, like the wedding photography. I felt totally disconnected to my visual art background or even my theater, theater art background because I was living here and I was just kind of isolated. And so reading that really helped me start to make little micro changes and try to re-embrace my creativity. I started doing watercoloring. Um, If you've followed me a really long time, you probably remember I was doing these printables with illustrations. I had like an adventure blog and an adventure uh, planner. And that was kind of the, the switch 
when I realized the wedding photography business wasn't going to kick off here, I kind of switched into this more creative mode, but I, I didn't really have a very firm direction. I was just kind of following my interest and following um, my joy, which was like a big deal. So that's kind of what started that transition, uh, which then led, you know, eventually to my whole Renaissance woman, Kindle curiosity thing, my, in my last podcast, it happened very slowly over several years, um, but all kind of catalyzed by the artist way. So at this point, I was a new wife. I knew that we were going to start a family at some point, And I promised myself that when I did become a mom, that I would reread The Artist's Way because I knew if I was already having trouble making time for my creativity, making time for myself, that like I found artist dates. This is Julia Cameron's idea that you go out and have fun once a week, like do something fun and inspiring for your inner artist, your inner child, I found that almost impossible. And I wasn't even a mom yet. Like I look back and I see so much time, so much free time that I just squandered. But I didn't feel like I felt too guilty to use it somehow. Um, yeah. So I never like I never want to like specifically make I never want to portray the idea that motherhood is the only hard thing because I definitely lived through times where I felt a similar burden and while it may have been self-imposed it was very real um that now I do have less flexibility and more demands on my time that are much harder to work around that the mental load of trying to make time for myself and do kind things for myself even then was really, really hard. So I never want to discount that. Um, I hear a lot of the mother community being like, oh, you're, you're amazing. You're, you're, (laughs) you're doing the hardest job ever. Well, some other jobs are also the hardest job ever. Um, So if that's you, shout out to the hard things that you're doing. I want to validate them for sure. Um, So that was the third time I read The Artist's Way. Um, I don't remember if I started it while Nathan was still working, like while Nathan was still home with me during paternity leave, maternity leave, or when he started working. But basically sometime in the late summer, early autumn of 2019, I started reading, re-reading The Artist's Way. And I quickly became very frustrated because Julia has very hard, fast rules that work for her and work for a lot of people. And in the past, you know, write three pages a day in your journal. Okay, done. Uh, Go out for an artist date once a week. Hard, but possible. When I was a brand new mom, and I'm not talking, I'm talking about months, mere months of motherhood, I found those things to be completely impossible. Because if I did have a break, I needed to sleep. Like, sleep was number one. Sleep was the most important thing. Second, maybe bath. Um, and yes, journaling is an amazing tool for processing and I did start to do it somewhat but I found it really hard to do the full three pages 
every single day. And I had to realize at some point that listening to my body and what my body and my mind needed was more important than fulfilling Julia Cameron's rules, which as an autistic person, a very rule-oriented, structure, routine-driven, neurodivergent soul, that was a really big deal for me, a really big epiphany. And looking back, part of me thinks like, well, why didn't you make the time? Like what, you know, at some point I could have done it and I, I still didn't. And I'm not sure where the line is with that, but certainly in the very, very beginning, I just needed to sleep. Like we're, you're so sleep deprived. Um, and yeah, and to go out for a walk, like sometimes like seeing the outside air is more important than writing in a journal um, for anybody, but most especially in, in my experience, it was very important I felt like I was living in a cave half the time <laughs> as a new mom. So like getting outside, getting some sleep, um, talking to another human, you know, all those things became really valuable and important. And, you know, at some point along the way, I did start uh, writing in my journal again, writing you know, more or less every day. Right now I'm trying to do it every day. I might miss some days, especially if any of us are sick. Um, and when you're doing it, it's like, wow, this is so amazing. This is so beneficial. Like I should have been making time for this before. And so I'm not kind of, I'm not clear on the line of when there's a lot to unpack there about like, I felt like I couldn't take the time to do that because if I was going to take a break and have a bath, for instance, that I needed to hurry out and take back over so Nathan could have his break or if he needed help with David or whatever. Like at a certain point, I had to be like, okay, I'm going to take a bath and then I'm going to sit here and I'm going to write in my journal and... I need this. I need it's cheaper than therapy. <laughs> we tried a lot of therapy over the last two years. It's more effective than therapy for me at this time with what I'm working through uh, with the therapist I have available. Um, it's hard to find the therapist that you need sometimes. Um, like it helps me sweep out the cobwebs of my brain. It helps me decide what I think. It helps me to calm myself down, to remember who I am, to problem solve, to practice gratitude and appreciate things. Um, journaling for me is magic. And at some point I was denying myself that magic out of some kind of martyrdom and I don't know where the line is there where I went from I'm too sleep deprived like I just need to sleep to martyr mom and this is something I'm like I've been thinking about lately as I'm coming back to the journaling and taking up space for that uh, and I don't you know it was such a gradual shift that I'm not sure when that happened. But basically, when I was reading The Artist's Way, I was just like, there's no way. Like, I'm way too, I can barely read this chapter right now, much less also um, do all of this writing and, like, going out of the house is 
hard. If I go out of the house, like I kind of want to take the baby with me. I want to go with my mom. I want to, um, I want to be with another person because motherhood can also be very lonely because you're like up in the night by yourself sitting on the couch a lot. So I just felt like what she was prescribing wasn't what I needed. And I didn't need more rules to bludgeon myself with. So that is when I started the bones of writing my book, which I think the title is going to be Maker Mama Manifesto. And the idea is giving mothers permission to create, to make art, but also like to feed their inner artist, even when they may not be creating. Like maybe you're, you, maybe sleep is number one. Like maybe you're at the stage where you still need to sleep every minute that you get. But there are still ways that you can kindle your creativity and kind of keep that pilot light on so that when you do have a moment and a strategy, you, you can have, you have the energy, the creative energy for when you have a moment to use it and to have the strategy for how to utilize that moment or how to find moments that you may not see that you have. So I basically wrote the first draft, most of the first draft for that more or less on my phone, like David would be napping on me and I would just be writing little vignettes. I want it to be very easy to pick up and put down. And so I would be writing these on my phone. And then in January of 2020, when I started going to the library once or twice a week, I started taking them off my phone and putting them into a, a manuscript, a book draft. And that was so good for my brain. Like it was good for me to feel that mom was taking care of Davy and that I didn't have to worry about that. I wasn't there. I trusted her. And to take that time to like sort out my thoughts and to put them into words on paper. And I like the goal was to share them with other moms to help other moms that were feeling stuck or judged or less than or inadequate or unworthy, undeserving. And to kind of shift this narrative from the martyr mother that a lot of our mothers were into like, how do these things coexist? And how can I like take this time once or twice a week to work on this passion project and not feel like, like I was a bad mom for doing that. So that was going really well. I, in, um, then COVID hit and I couldn't go to the library and I couldn't work in the house on it. Well, okay. So I did a little bit of editing uh, the very beginning of COVID, I did a, another draft, a whole nother edit of the book. I printed it out. I wrote things on it. I typed up the changes. Um, that was the thing about babies <laughs> is that sometimes they're in a napping phase, especially if they are growing and sometimes they're not, or they are, they're in a napping, but I won't nap unless I'm on a human warm body typeface. And we went from one to the other. So I'm lucky I got that far. I got the second draft done. And I was able to do that during early COVID. I wasn't having like COVID burnout yet. I still felt like it was like this emergency that we would push through. I was in survival mode. I felt like a super mom. And 
I was like, look at me, I'm editing this. He's sleeping, everything's great. I think he was even putting himself to sleep at night during this phase. It was amazing. Those things don't happen anymore. <laughs> uh, but basically, as soon as that went out the window, I realized I couldn't, I could not continue to edit my book in the house, which meant basically I had to wait till COVID was over to resume my book edit. Also, my mental health started to decline, to deteriorate, to circle back to some of that depression and anxiety. Um, so COVID went from like a very, like a sprint and then like nothing to uh, hibernation, basically. Um, and then somewhere in there, early COVID also, I did a survey of over 100 women who... Um, I can't make words. I'm suddenly, maybe I'm getting to the end of my rope here. Um, a hundred women who were creative, who were artists or makers of some kind. And so I compiled all of the data for that. And I have quotes and, um, excerpts from them. I was inviting guest writers to do letters to mothers who have different backgrounds than me, like a letter to an adoptive mom. And I felt really frustrated when I had to put that project on hold because in my mind, this is probably completely unrealistic, but I wanted to publish autumn winter of 2020. Totally not happening. Um, then I wanted to publish by my birthday in March. Also not happening. So at this point, <laughs> um, well, okay. So basically there's like a whole nother update on the book that I'll probably wait and talk about very soon in another episode. I'm almost to an hour now. So there were two other things that I wanted to talk about today that I guess I'm going to save as a separate topic, but like really briefly, um, toward the middle of COVID, we decided that if Nathan was going to be working in the office space that used to be mine, Indefinitely, His work says he may never go back again. He may always be home. Um, and if I can't work without quiet and solitude, like I can't really work in there with him. I was going to need a space. And my mom realized that we, she found this place that sells um, ready-made sheds to your specifications. So we ordered, uh, oh, I can't remember the size of it anymore. Um... 10 no oh I'll have to I'll have to point you in the right direction I did a studio tour over on YouTube where I probably said that I can't remember um but a pretty decent sized shed and they put in um windows and a waterproof door I have a loft and it took a long time for it to come in because everybody was ordering those during COVID. Um, and then when it did come in, Nathan had a big work job. So we had to put off kind of like working on the inside because it comes and the outside's finished, but the inside is bare. There's just particle board everywhere. So we put up shiplap and we did, basically I'll just send you over to YouTube to finish the story because it's much better to look at it. Um, and I recorded a video of the process of working making over the shed into a, stu a backyard studio and also I have a video of the tour uh, when it was very first finished so I will send you over there that is something like I really felt like I didn't deserve I felt a lot of guilt over but at the same time it was something that I desperately needed and need 
um, to be able to function, to have like a quiet place to come and reset and focus and have like take up literal space in my life for my work, my creativity. (sighs) And like, I'm finally here. I'm finally using it. It's amazing. It's been a road to get here. And like, I've had a whole adventure this year in 2021 as well. David has started half day a Montessori school. So that's kind of like part of how I have space to come out here. And basically, uh, that's where I'm at. So I was going to talk about the first piece that I completed out here, but I think I'll just link to that YouTube video as well. So the first artwork that I have completed in my new studio is a weaving and it's a data weaving that documents the times that I was interrupted uh, during its creation. So I worked on that while David was in the studio with me and when he kind of like got into a little bit too much trouble or if he needed me, I would stop weaving, go tend to him and when I came back, I would tie a knot and then carry on. So if you're interested in hearing the behind the scenes of that work, I will link to that. Let me write down, I need to link the studio, I need to link the weaving and the show notes. And so that's pretty much caught you up with where I am now. And then we can carry on except for a little bit of a book update. We'll, we'll, we'll get to, of course, that's kind of where I am. I'm in this like messy middle of the book writing process. So that will be something that we can talk about in a future episode. So I'll remind you what I said at the beginning. That's an update for me. I genuinely want to hear from you what you're struggling with, what you're working on, If you resonated with anything in this episode, you can just find me on Instagram at Sarah D. Schatz, Sarah with an H, Schatz with two T's, or you can go to sarahschatz.com slash the messy middle and find all the links. And also we have a hashtag. So share your own messy middle with hashtag messy middle club and clubs in there to remind us that it's a social thing. So when you use the hashtag, take a few minutes to browse the recent posts and leave some encouragement for someone else. So I'm going to stop it right there. Um, It has been almost a whole hour that we've been sitting here chatting and I'm about to have to go pick Davey up from school. He's doing his little summer camp at Montessori, which has been really nice. So it's been great to sit here with you guys. I can't wait to hear from you and I'll see you next time.